Well, I'm back from some weird place. I don't know. Is it another planet or another dimension? Do we ever get that answer in Twin Peaks? Do we get any answers in Twin Peaks? <laughs> uh, David Lynch hates answers. He's just like, I don't know, dude. It was fucking cool. Yeah. Shut up. <laughs> yeah. It's fucked up and vibey. Fucked up and vibey. Oh, my God. That's such a great scene in that show. That's high fidelity for those of you who didn't watch the uh, the remake. Oh, my God. Remakes. Shit, no, we're not doing that month anymore. But we are doing a movie today that was remade. True. And we're finally... With Kristen Bell. Yeah, it was not great. I didn't see the remake. Mm-mm. I actually didn't either. Just everything I read about it was like, no, thank you. <laughs> it sounded like it just sort of took the title and said, okay, yeah, that's it. Mm-hmm. So the opposite of a good remake. <laughs> yes. But yeah, you know, um, we're finally covering another Japanese horror film, which I'm very excited about. Yeah, You know I love me some Japanese horror. For sure. But yeah, very excited to be doing, you know, just back to the normal format and excited to be doing a fun movie. Mm Mm-hmm. Speaking of. Hey, babe. Yeah, babe. Remember that time we watched Cairo? You mean the 2001 Kurosawa Japanese techno horror film, also known as Pulse in the States? I do mean that one. Different Kurosawa, but a very good Kurosawa. Yes. Yeah, I'm Nicole. I'm Tover. And we're the Horror Babes. Yes. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> that Hold is on. one of my favorite bits that we do. Oh, right. Yes. We're <laughs> the Horror Babes. Um, I find it very funny. Very excited to talk about another Japanese horror film. Mm-hmm. Um, definitely very influential films here. And yeah, today we're covering Pulse, and it's going to be the normal format. And if you are new here, that normal format is Topher's going to take us through who made this thing. Shout out the cast and crew. I will take us through the plot, and then we'll dive straight into a deeper analysis. And there's a lot to talk about on this one, so I'm very excited. So without further ado, Topher, who made this thing? Well... It was written and directed, as I said, and you said, by a Kurosawa, yes. but not Akira Kurosawa. Uh, Correct. Like Seven Samurai fame and, you know, basically helping um, inspire what became what we know as Westerns. Mm-hmm. Um, the Sergio Leone, we call them spaghetti Westerns, the Italian Westerns, right? Mm-hmm. Um, also Star Wars. But yeah, different guy, no relation. This is uh, Kiyoshi Kurosawa. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so he wrote and directed this. Uh, he's a fucking badass when it comes to film. Yeah. He just makes the coolest shit. Um, I have actually seen a couple of his other films, but he, I, I absolutely love him. And I'm not the only one who absolutely loves him. Can the film festival. Yeah. Thinks he's the coolest shit. <laughs> yes, correct. Um, I don't think he's ever been up for a Palme d'Or, which is like the top prize. Mm-hmm. But he has been in the... Also ten, mm, I, this is always so hard for me to say. He has been in the Ansoten Regard uh, section. He also... Um, so many times. He also made... Uh, this is... I don't know how common this is. I don't think it's very common. But uh, this movie was actually made into a book mm-hmm. like from the screenplay yeah i don't know i don't know if i can name any other movies off the top of my head that have gone like obviously going from book to movie is a huge um 
is a huge thing, but I, I don't, I can't recall many movies that go from movie to book. Yeah, unless it's like a cash grab, right? Like I read, yes. I've read the novelization of the first Star Wars trilogy. Yeah. Um, they did novelize it, but it came after. And they did a yeah. whole like mystique around it. It's like, oh, actually it was adapted from this book. This is the original idea. Oh, right, right, like, right. It, it's bullshit. It's not, not true. Yeah, it's lies. Um, but there's all, I mean, you know, they do like, yeah, the novelization afterwards, or there's books that are written at the same time as the movie that is supposedly is based on the book. Like, um, 2001 was written at the same time as the film. Yeah. And like Scott Pilgrim was in the middle of being done when the movie came out. This also might've been a little bit of a cash grab because it was so well received by critics and then it immediately had kind of like a cult following. So maybe it was one of those things like where, well, we know that the fans of this movie would buy this book. So yeah, so it might have been, but I it doesn't know. feel like that kind of tie in. Right. Usually it comes out right after and he did it years later. True. So, yeah, it doesn't feel like that, but it very much could be. Who no knows? idea. Yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, he's had. So this film was, uh, like you said, from 2001. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was the that was the first of his, I believe, that was at uh, the Unre- Uncertain Regard. God, it's so that's like I speak French and this is always hard for me to say. <laughs> <laughs> um, but that was his first one there. Um, he also has had his film Tokyo Sonata from 2008 was there. Um, he also in 2015, his uh, Journey to the Shore mm-hmm. was there. I think there's a, a couple others missing, like some years missing from the list I'm looking at. Um, mm-hmm. I know there are, but if you want an idea of like what, if you don't know what this like screening is, it can. To give you an idea, there are some big heavy hitters that people love who have been on, uh, uh, featured here, including, um, um, so yeah, Fruitvale Station from mm-hmm. Ryan Googler was featured there. Dogtooth from uh, uh, what's his fucking name? Uh, Lanthimos. Mm-hmm. Uh, Yor- I think it's Yorgos Lanthimos mm-hmm. who also did like the Lobster and I think Killing of a Sacred Deer. I think it was him. Okay. So some big deal uh, directors, but it's typically um, it's called from it, it, the the name means from a different perspective. Mm-hmm. So it's it features films that are you know really supposed to be kind of a different way of looking at how film is made. Right, like uh, eye opening and the mm-hmm. and genre pushing maybe exactly yeah it's it's definitely about breaking genre mm-hmm. um i'm shocked that they've never featured uh anything from bong jun ho yeah but it's probably because he's always at the palm door <laughs> yeah <laughs> they screen at the same time so yeah it, it's also like more it's it features indie directors typically for sure um and from you know it's it's not, i think it's generally not like when i look through the list it's not america it's not britain mm-hmm. um it's usually not even france there's a few french films in here but mm-hmm. not many so it looks like they really do push to it's the push to see things from other countries and other perspectives like yeah. um palestine is featured russia's featured iran has had a few featured here mm-hmm. um just as you know countries or whatever yeah um a few mexican films and things like that so i really like that that, that this exists you know that it's like a Let's see what people like indie filmmakers from other countries are making. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. yeah, South Korea is well featured here too. Mm-hmm. So it's a, it's a just some, you know awards are stupid, but this is one that I think generally serves people as opposed to just like the Oscars, where it's like here's your what did Bong Joon Ho call it? Your regional award. Oh God, yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and then a you made plus them shit kiss. talker. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> now kiss. Like me with my Batman and Superman toys when I was little. <laughs> Sorry. Um, yeah, so our, our cast, I guess I should get to that. 
I just wanted to talk about Kurosawa for a second. He's he's fantastic. If you ever get a chance to read interviews with him, you really should. Mm-hmm. He's a, a brilliant, brilliant man. Um, he actually teaches at, uh, I think he teaches at Tokyo University right now. He teaches at Tokyo Art University. Okay. Yeah, so, and his students are like, yeah, no, he's the fucking bomb. <laughs> nice. That's great. Um, yeah, he has nothing but, like, rave reviews from his students. They all think he's fucking brilliant. Mm-hmm. So for our cast, we have, uh, I'm just going to read it off in the credits order because that's how it's on IMDb. Uh, Haruhiko Kato as Ryosuke. Kumiko Aso as Michi. Koyuki as Harue. Kurumi Arisaka as Junko. Masatoshi Matsuo as Yabe. Shinji Takeda as Yoshikazi. Uh, Jun, Fu- um, Jun Fubuki as Michi's mother. Uh, Shun Sugara as the boss. Uh, Koji Yakusho. Oh, I'm going to take that again. Uh, Koji Yakusho as the ship captain and Kenji. Mi- mm, and Kenji Mitsuhashi as Taguchi. So that's kind of our, our broad thing here. And mm-hmm. then our ghost is played by Masayuki Shunola. Mm-hmm. So. Um, yeah, it's a it's a pretty small cast. We have yeah. some extras here and there. There's uh, students A, B, and C. Man with bag, girl with long hair. Dream <laughs> <But>. roles, <laughs> love it. Um, girl with long hair. <laughs> <laughs> That's my dream role. Yeah. That and Link Larkin. But I'm a weirdo. I'm not a weirdo. Mm-hmm. Actually, you are just not for that reason. <laughs> um, the music was from Takafumi Hikeda. Uh, mm-hmm. Cinematography from Junichiro Hayashi. Uh, his work you would definitely know. He's probably one of the ones that you would not like. Most of these people are like famous in Japan, but not outside. Um, right. A lot of Japanese film just does not breach to uh, America, uh, which is a shame because I've seen a good amount of it and a lot of it's really good. You know? I love the music in this. It's very um, very good. the The suspense that builds through it musically is very it's very Hitchcock, and I like that. Ooh, yeah, good pull. Mm-hmm. I didn't think about that, but you're totally right. It does have that really classical sort of suspense thing here. Where, like, you don't... Like, the music is done beautifully because you don't really notice the music, but you notice that the tension in your body is rising. Mm-hmm. And it's the music that's doing that to you, that's creating the atmosphere, that, and obviously the visuals. But that's how you know that uh, when music is just done in such a subtle, beautiful way is when um, you're, like, all of a sudden, you're, like, my heart's pounding and my back's up. Like, Why? And it's just, it's it's a part of creating the atmosphere. And that's why I think this is done so well. Nice. Because you don't notice it. It's not distracting. And that's why I'm considering it kind of Hitchcock-like. Because mm-hmm. I would say that that's kind of, um, maybe not where that started, but that definitely is was one of um, Hitchcock's, like, uh, tool in his belt. You yeah, know? it was definitely, yeah, definitely. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's interesting. Because I, I think of score a lot, like I think of editing. Mm-hmm. You it has to be seamless. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you shouldn't notice it unless you're supposed to notice it, right? Yeah, unless it's made a point. It, it, it's all intentional, I guess, yeah. is what it really comes down to. Like, Silvestri's so good at creating a soundscape, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, we talk about him a bunch yeah. um, now with Marvel, but he... Uh, what did we just cover that he did? I don't remember. <laughs> oh, no, uh, it was The Witches. Oh. Yeah, because he worked with... Um, that makes sense. Yeah. Going from that to like Marvel and... Mm-hmm. Yeah. And working with uh, with Raimi as well. Yeah. Got it. Okay. Yeah. You're right. 
I remember that now. Yeah. <laughs> it's all <laughs> it's coming like, back We to talked me. about that like a month and a half ago. I know. I know. In real time and actually on the podcast at this point. Yeah. Um, yeah. But yeah, it's interesting too because um, uh, Takafumi Hikeda, the guy who was the composer here, he really just does romance films beyond hmm. this. Like I was looking through his uh, his IMDb and like trying, trying to look him up a little bit more and mm-hmm. it's just all romance. This is like the one horror thing he's done That's that I can fun. find. Yeah. Love that. Love that, right? You know, spread your wings. <laughs> um and then yeah the so the cinematographer like i said was uh junichiro hayashi uh also did ringu oh nice yeah yeah because i would say um we've got three of kind of similar times huge japanese horror we've got ringu we've got um this one kairo and we've got um Juan or The Grudge. Yeah. Those those are like the top three I think that most people have seen even if they aren't particularly versed in Japanese horror. Yeah, that's you know? those are the three that really made it over. And I would say, yeah, mm-hmm. it's Ring and Grudge are the top, the top two. two. And, and this, this is, is kind if of a you third. dive a little bit deeper, this is the one you find. Yeah. This w- this is the one that if you watched either The Grudge or Juan, it would be like up next. Yeah, It'd be this yeah. One. <laughs> Although we've been trying to cover this forever at this point. We've had this on the docket for over a year now. Definitely. It's a little hard to find. Shutter finally has it, or did we do it on Amazon? It was on Amazon. Yeah, yeah. we had to do it on Amazon, which is, it's surprising. I thought Shutter would have it, but oh well. I think they did at one point and we just missed it. Yeah, um, it might have been taken off. Yeah, they, they do a pretty heavy rotation anyway. Like things don't stay on there for a long time, which True. I like about them. You know, like it's always sort of fresh. And it's like if you see it you and you want to watch it, you better. You better. Yeah, <laughs> get on it. It's going to be gone in like a month or two. No, for sure. Yeah. Um, and then editing was from Junichi Kukuchi. Mm-hmm. Um, is that all I wanted? Oh, yeah. And then for our visual effects, I just want to shout them out because there were some really cool visual effects in here. Oh, def, yeah. Uh, Shuji Asano and mm-hmm. Masuru Tateishi. Great. Yeah. Shout out. Um, yeah, that's <laughs> our, it, respectively, our visual effects supervisor and our CG director. Cool. Yeah. Awesome. Lots of CG yeah. in this movie. L- yeah, lots of Some of, of it, it better than others, but. Yeah. <laughs> but it's, it's, it's all good. Yeah. <laughs> um, it's very of the time, you know. Oh, definitely. Early 2000s. Yeah, it looks like it was made in 2000, 2001. Yeah, Yeah, so we kind of have to, when we're being critical of it, we have to put it in that context. Exactly. Of, you know, access to CGI and where we were (laughs) in 2001. (laughs) Yeah. As opposed to 2021, like it came out 20 years ago. This movie can almost drink is what I'm saying. Uh, It definitely can in Japan. True. Is the drinking age 18 there? I think it's, it's 16 or 18. Nice. Um, yeah, basically we're the only ones who have a 21 year old drinking age. I knew that. I knew that we, we really are the only ones with 21. Yeah. I, I know it's like 16 in the UK and f- like generally in anywhere in Western Europe. What about like, like Australia? 16. I don't know. I think they just hand you a beer when you are born. Here you go, mate. <laughs> I'm so mad that I can't do an Australian accent. I've just, I've, I've, I've spent most of my life around people from Australia. Yeah. I can't believe that the, that there were sequels. To, it was either to this or to the was it to this or the American one that there were sequels? I thought it was to the American one. That sounds right. But I, I'm not a thousand percent confident in that. But I think so. Oh, it it totally was. Yeah. Okay. Two straight to DVD sequels: Pulse Two Afterlife and Post and Pulse Three. Of course, of course, Both we tried. Two thousand eight. We're like this was really popular from Japan. Maybe we can like monetize multiple. Mm-hmm. And of course, they just went straight to DVD because they weren't very good. Yeah. There's just no way. Yeah. 
I mean, Wes Craven wrote the screenplay, but I feel like he probably just did a treatment. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, I don't think it was totally him. It doesn't sound like it was at all. Right. Interesting that Brian Cox, I just saw that Brian Cox produced the American one. And that's very funny because he was in Ring Mm -hmm. or The Ring. Uh, right in america yeah so maybe he american. just got really into japanese horror and he's like you know what we need more remakes of these in the uh, united states i guess so <laughs> <laughs> also christina million was in it interesting huh <laughs> i do like a lot of her music <laughs> well who doesn't <laughs> i think i just i like just recently added dip it low to my that's christina million right <laughs> i think so i'm pretty sure um i just added that to my spotify liked songs you know <laughs> Dip it low. Totally was her. Yep. I knew it. Well. She's a bad bitch. I like her a lot. um, One quick thing before we do get fully into the plot. Uh, We do love y'all. And this movie deals a lot with um, self-harm and suicidality. If that's going to bother you, we would really, really like you to not listen to this. We would prefer that you feel mentally great and stick around and we love you. Correct. We love you. Thanks. Um, Okay. So plot. Basically, this plot is um, divided into two storylines, but they're running parallel. Um, yeah, we have an A story and a B story, but they... They run yeah. parallel, yeah. Um, the The basic gist is that uh, there are ghosts invading the world of the living via the internet. Um, but yeah, we have two, two different storylines. The first story starts with Michi, an employee at a plant shop. Um, she's recently moved to Tokyo. Her coworkers include Junko and Yabe and Taguchi who they uh, they've been missing for some days working on a computer disc yeah he they start off the film with like where the hell is taguchi mm-hmm. like what he's been gone for a week and our deadline's coming up i don't know what the deadline is because they were... we don't know much information in this movie like yeah. like they don't go into what deadline they don't really go into anything they kind of really just focus on the story mm-hmm. like what the story at hand here yeah it just sort of everything is just like okay the plot's moving forward now yes exactly and a little bit of side story with michi and like how she hates her dad and only likes her mother and her friends yes correct um so michi goes to taguchi's apartment and finds him distracted and kind of like aloof i guess he, well i would think he's just kind of in a daze really right because he just yeah. sort of wanders through she's looking for him in his shithole of an apartment yeah it's like a weird um yeah he's in like a weird dazed like a funk yeah 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 he's barely responding he doesn't she's like yelling his name in his apartment and it's all musty and like looks really gross and yeah yeah it's like a weird fugue state but he's not doing anything except like casually making a noose that it was about to say, as, we, as he walks I was about to the say, then then we see that he's casually making a noose leaves and then proceeds to hang himself yeah um michi and her friends inspect this disc that he left behind and they find that it has an image of taguchi staring at his own computer monitor um, and it creates a, an endless series of images. Yeah, there's him staring at a. Uh, wait, what is it? It's him staring at his monitor. So it's from the background, and then mm-hmm. that one is from somebody else's, and that one's from somebody else's, and that one's from somebody else's. Like every time you see a computer monitor, yeah, it's somebody else's. And it's really fucked up. It is. <laughs> it is. And um, and then there's there's another monitor that's on his desk, and they see a, a like ghost face i guess um staring out into taguchi's movie (laughs) what's that from again that's wu-tang that's odb introducing ghost face killer that's right into the 36 chambers sorry i'm dumb 
It's I'm, okay. You're not dumb. I forgot. I forgot about that. I knew You're that just was not from as something. obsessed with woo as I am. That's true. I do listen, but not not like you. But I know yeah. how the woo go. Mm-hmm. Um. So they discover this ghostly face staring into Takuchi's room. Mm-hmm. Um. Yabe gets a phone call, and it's like a distorted voice, but it's clear enough saying like help me mm-hmm. um he checks his phone and he sees the same image that was on taguchi's desk disc not desk sorry <laughs> disc there's a desk and there's a disc uh, <laughs> going english crazy is, english is stupid it is um he he goes to his apartment taguchi's apartment yeah. and sees like a black stain on the wall where he hanged himself and there's also a paper that says the forbidden room which he notices there's like a door sealed with red tape. It looks like someone's about to paint, um, but it's like red tape. <laughs> or it's been condemned, yeah. Or, yeah, it's been condemned. Um, which you were saying that red means something significant in Japanese culture. I believe so. I am only barely versed. And I should say, we should say up top, um, neither of us are Japanese. Uh, Correct. And Or nor has spent any time in Japan. I have Correct. a amateur passing understanding of certain things in japan because i've had a lot of japanese friends and i've consumed a lot of japanese media mm-hmm. and just because i'm a fucking dork i obsessively research every single thing that i watch that's this is true that's, i can that's sort of how this podcast can, started yeah yeah i, mean, I can it was you in the middle of the night confirm. half drunk saying we should do this true while we were talking about a horror movie also but, true <laughs> um yeah i I, I I'm not a prof- I I'm not a professor, uh, and I am not like by any means fully knowledgeable at any of these things. I just know what I've read. And I guess just in um, general, um, red always just kind of means like do not enter or just stop. Yeah. In general, well, so I'm just thinking forbidden. about like um, you remember that episode of Sailor Moon where there's ghosts and Sailor Mars because she works at the temple starts putting the tags on people yes that's that's one of the first couple episodes i'm pretty sure yeah yeah i think it's i think that's part of why her color is red i mean she's sailor mars so also that but i think the red it has if i remember right i didn't have a chance to like fully look into this Mm -hmm. um with all the other research i was doing for this episode so um don't take my word for it but i believe that there is a connection between red and ghosts okay um, or like red and protection gotcha in uh in in sort of yeah yeah, and I mean, even if not, again, like red generally means stop or, or do well, not. It's also associated with like power and things go. like that. Like think about the like Forbidden Palace in um, uh, Beijing. Like there's um, in any any culture that's connected with like um, Buddhism and and Shinto, I think have like really strong significances of red. Like wedding dresses are red yeah. in um, a lot of Eastern Asia. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Not everywhere, but mm-hmm. and there's an influence of white now. But that's yeah, colors yeah. mean different things in different cultures. Um, and yeah, so red's like power and like um, um, wealth. I think it has to do a lot with. Mm-hmm. So Yabe does not give a shit about the red tape and the something called the forbidden room. <laughs> just like walks in there. Forbidden room sounds like someplace I should go. Sick. So he just he walks in there and and he encounters a ghost. He becomes depressed and tells Michi that he saw something horrible in quote unquote the forbidden room. No shit. Like <laughs> come on. This this is this is one of those classic horror moments where you're like don't 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 go in the fucking forbidden room. <laughs> Just, it's, it's, it, I mean, like, it has to be, like, why would you call it the Forbidden Room if you... 
I don't know. Do you call it that because you want people to go in there or do you call it that because you, people shouldn't go in there? Yeah, I don't know if it's like malicious. Like if you're if, if you're like, oh, yeah, because human nature is they want what they can't have or they they respond to mystery so strongly. Maybe it's something malicious or maybe it really is like we don't want you to have the same fate as the other people who were tempted by this or something. I don't know. Yeah. Um, but then Michi gets a call Kind of like the one that Yabe had received. Mm-hmm. So this is kind of where we get this this Japanese horror trope where like the grudge deals with phone calls mm-hmm. being made. And then um, Ringu, there's the tape where like yeah. if you view the tape, then um, you're essentially doomed to die. Yeah. Seven days and then you die. Yeah. Seven days and then you die. So... Um, it's kind of almost combining both of those where you're like, okay, that's, you know, this is this is a symbol that this person is probably going to suffer the same fate as, you know. Yeah, yeah. There's some sort of like passing through technology, like it passing along the entity or the curse or whatever it is yeah. through technology. Yeah, we're, we're going to talk about that a lot. <laughs> yeah, it's like a very scary um, Rickroll. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> If Rick Rolls killed you, there would be no millennials. Yeah, we would we would all be Boomers we, would be happy. Yeah, they'd be very happy. Stupid millennials. Um but anyway, she so she she decides to check on Yabe and sees a black stain on the wall similar to Taguchi's one. Um she panics and then realizes that Junko has unsealed and entered a red tape door as well. The way she says Y'all. Junko. Like Yeah, she's, she's like, Are like, you kidding me? You dumb yeah. mother. Are you fucking fucker. kidding me? She told her not to do it too. She's like, avoid anything with red tape because um Junko also watches a woman die. Yes, that's a very gruesome visceral scene. That's one of the hardest ones to watch in this whole movie. Because you almost you almost see it before you realize what's happening. <clears throat> so and and you're forced into being a spectator, yeah. Because the camera's behind her, yeah. So you're kind of seeing what she's seeing, and again, like it happens before you can even think, like, oh my god, that's going to happen, and you can even close your eyes. Like you're forced to be a spectator in that. It reminds me so much of The Omen, mm-hmm. where yeah. you're like, you don't think they're going to show it, with, and they um, do. It's all for you, Damien, and then you feel that jerk when yes. she hangs herself, and she's like, Ugh. well, yeah. <laughs> Sorry. No, no, definitely, and. I, I almost wonder, too, if that's almost like sealing their fate. Is someone telling them not to do it? I wonder if that increases the um, want to do it more, because that's the only thing that could kind of explain why Junko does it. That might be right. I also think it. we can get into this more um, after we finish up For the sure. plot. But, like, there is definitely something to this natural human curiosity mm-hmm. like we are just a curious people we're going to get this in the b plot too with mm-hmm. um Ryosuke. yeah um this like need to investigate yeah um yeah i don't i don't i don't know my thoughts totally clear on that yet but that's definitely something for sure so we're we're inside the uh, forbidden room um she witnesses Junko being cornered by a ghost and she actually rescues her. <laughs> Tries real hard. So, yeah, and it's Junko, hard. Like, shoves her out of the room and she's like, motherfucker, no, come yeah, on. Yeah, like, what's wrong with you? But it's didn't really work. It's kind of too late because Junko is pretty much catatonic from this whole experience. Yeah, she either is silent or weeping. Yeah. Um, and yeah, she's like trying to take care of her. She's trying to be right there with her. She's bringing her tea. She's making her eat. She's like feeding her at one point. Yeah, she's she's very much so 
basically trying to keep a child alive, it mm-hmm. feels like. Um, but later she steps towards the wall and and, and Junko becomes a black stain. Um, Michi is pretty worried, um, so she goes to check on her mother. Yeah, she tries to call her. The line does pick up and she just keeps yelling mother and no answer. So she goes, she's, she's worried, so, so Michi goes to check on her mother and meets Ryosuke. Yeah. And this is when the second story comes in, which centers around Ryosuke. Yeah, rewind the tape. In the meantime, we've got Ryosuke, an economic student. He's recently signed up to um, like a new internet service provider. He gets like a disc where it's, oh, it's like, full throwback. try the internet, and it's like AOL dial-up. It's great. Yeah, it's called um, it's like, Uranus, wee-oh. like the planet. Yeah. It's like, I'm, I can't do a good impression. But anyway, <laughs> I tried. A for effort. A whole ambulance goes through his house. <laughs> this um, is probably the freakiest storyline. Yeah, it's like his computer pulls up a website by itself. Like, he doesn't prompt this. In the middle um, of the night, yeah. Yeah, and it shows him really, really awful images of people just alone in dark rooms. People doing bizarre things. Like, it's, it's really, really freaky. Um, so then he you know grabs a cigarette immediately and is just like holy shit like closes the computer just like turns it off or whatever yeah the message pops up do you want to see a ghost like bitch no and um it ends on the thing with the guy with the black bag on his head and uh, slowly pulling it off which again it's it's like it's that whole um i do think we did get this at the beginning of the internet as well and we'll talk about this later but we do you remember like you know e-bombs world and like like the dark side of something e-bombs awful world was that the something awful forums yeah yeah we're like that's wh- where like 4chan came from where came you had of, yeah. where you had like you had kind of like this silly like you definitely had your problematic videos and things you could interact with oh, on e-bombs yeah. world like i don't even want to get into that i'm not even gonna put a spotlight on that but you then you also just kind of had the lighthearted, really dumb shit and then you had kind of the darker side of e-bombs world where it was like can you last through this video oh yeah 90 percent of people piss their pants or like whatever or like can't move can't find the bathroom but still like piss their pants because they can't move they become paralyzed by this video you know 70 percent of people have seizures like like all this shit that just again peaked um at like humans curiosity and i think that's kind of what this was getting at like do you want to see a ghost yeah it's like Kind of. Yeah, but the curiosity really is an interesting thing. It's definitely um, a theme that runs throughout this movie. It's definitely something we talked about. We touched on this a little bit in our They Live episode when mm-hmm. we talked about how the world is getting smaller, right? Yeah. Um, and the and the internet has gotten smaller. Like, yes. The internet now is social media and news sites, and that's really it. Yeah. Whereas it used to be just like weird, random shit. There was um. Did you ever have that extension on Firefox? Where you could just jump to a completely random page on the internet. I don't use Firefox because I'm not a I'm, loser. You're not a nerd. Got it. Yeah. yeah. No. Well, in college, <laughs> when I was in college, which was a long time ago now. I think I did actually use Firefox in college. Yeah. Well, Nobody we were, used Safari. Nobody used Safari. Safari is a garbage browser. <laughs> yes. <laughs> like Chrome was just coming out. But yeah, um, yeah. back in those days, you had... Mozilla Firefox is what it was called. Well, and we were all excited about it because it was open source, right? So yeah. anybody could do stuff with it. It was really cool, uh, yada, yada, yada. But there, yeah, there was this extension on there that you could use Yeah. that lets you just... I don't remember what it was called. I wish I did. But it was. I just found so much random shit on the internet. 
it's actually how I ended up reading all of. It's like um, pressing shuffle on the internet. Yeah, exactly. That's exactly yeah. what it was. It would jump to like a random page, not just a website, but a random page of a random website. It's kind of scary. I don't like that. Yeah, I found some fucked up shit, but I also that's how I ended up reading all of the Dragon Ball manga. That's cool. Yeah, it just like found it for me one day. You could also like adjust your preferences. Like it would learn. It was like, it was an early like AI algorithm thing. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was cool, and it was like that's what I mean. Is like that would you? I don't even think that could possibly exist anymore. You know, like the closest thing you have is like the I'm feeling lucky button on Google. Yeah, which I've never pressed. I've never understood that. I never feel lucky. I, yeah, I'm like no, <laughs> no. Like every day, I'm just like I see it. And I'm like no, no, I'm not. I don't. I don't feel lucky. Um, but. Anyway, so he wakes up again to like, and he finds his computer. It's it's turned on again, and the disturbing images are back. Yeah. Um. He unplugs his computer in a panic, like, duh, who wouldn't? Um. The next day. Um. This is when he meets Harue. Yes. Yes. Um. So the next thing he meets Harue, and she's a postgraduate computer science student. Um. Um. She's obviously someone he's attracted to oh yeah she's sexy she's cute um but she she says she suggests he either bookmark the page or print the images so she can like take a look at it yeah she overhears him talking to one of her students i guess or like uh, i don't know if it's if it's her student or like a fellow student but yeah she's like yeah it's not it's again not clear again this movie doesn't really go into like the details of the people's lives it more so goes into just like the haunting well we find out why she's interested um a few scenes like we find out why she's interested a few scenes later because one of her fellow stu- grad students has uh, programmed this thing and she thinks that there's ghosts on the internet. That's right. Yeah. Yep. Um, so he, he tries to follow her for her advice, um, but his computer just won't. Just right. won't do that. Um, instead, a video comes up and plays of a man with his head in a plastic bag with the words, help me, written all over the walls. Mm-hmm. Um, in in the room that the guy's in, so he meets Haruwe's classmate, and this does does the classmate not have a name, or is I, it just because it's a side character? I think he does have a name. I'm not. I don't remember what his name is. He is named in the film, and it just I don't remember what it was. Okay. Um, well, anyway, he explains his theory that souls have begun to invade the physical world. Yeah, that there's that there are like multiple. It's like multiverse theory, essentially. That there are multiple pocket dimensions. Yes. Yes. Um, correct. Yeah. And that and that it's um. They're crossing somehow. And like a pocket, it got full. It got full. Mm-hmm. You so ever had full pockets? It's not comfortable. It's overflowing. Mm-hmm. Um, so, and then we've got Harue, who kind of acts strange and, and is suggesting that the ghosts would want to trap humans in their own loneliness rather than kill them. So kind of yeah. like a suffering as opposed to like a quick end. Well, because um, Rielske says that he would rather uh, live forever and never die and that's when she gets all freaked out. And she's like, that's sort of when she, I think, realizes what her theory has been getting at. Like, she realizes yeah. the, the answer to the question she's been asking. And it's that um, if the ghost dimension is full, why would they kill humans and make more ghosts? Exactly. They they would rather just do kind of like a suffering, like a, like a haunting. A of hell. A, a hell. Yeah, yeah, creating a hell. Like a purgatory, yeah. sort of. No, I'd say it's hell. Like, it's eternal torment, right? If, if loneliness yeah. is torment. Then, True. Yeah. So then um, he tries to escape with her to a faraway place using the subway, which is just kind of a funny sentence. Yeah. <laughs> um, but the train, the train stops and Hadaway is like immediately just like, we have to go back. We have to go back. I can't, I can't do this. And um, 
she ends up getting off the train when he's like trying to go to talk to the conductor. Really dope shot here. Mm-hmm. Um, it reminds me of the shot in um, um, Taguchi's apartment mm-hmm. um, where we see Michi. Yeah. And he's like um, in the background. So mm-hmm. she's in the focused foreground and he's in the uh, unfocused background. Yeah. And we see him kind of like crossing back and forth. And that's when he goes and hangs himself. Mm-hmm. The, that shot is mirrored here. Yeah. With, um, uh, Roske in the front, he's walking to the front of the train to talk to the conductor, and uh, Haraway runs and jumps out the train. Yes. Yeah. Sorry, I just, it was a cool. I no, love, it is I a cool love shot. It's, shots a, it's a really too. cool shot. And when you get to have them in two different parts of the film, it's the same shot and the same sort of yeah. thing about to happen. I, I love, love I love references within movies. It's, mm-hmm. it's really cool. It's really well done. It's kind of like in a musical when you've got a, a reprise or if you've got like just a common theme. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I would it's exactly fun. call that. Yeah, it's, it's, it's a visual reprise. Yeah. Yeah. Um, upon so so she comes back to her apartment and she sees the man with the plastic bag shoot himself on her computer yeah she finally lets the video play all the way through instead of stopping it yes and Hadoue presses the enter key and claims that she is not alone yeah she sees the like webcam of herself from behind and just goes to face it and like hugs what we see is like nothing, but it's nothing. she's touching yeah, she's, and like ca- ca- yeah. caressing something. She's fighting against the feeling of loneliness, basically. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we've got Ryosuke um, bursts in, but she's gone. Yeah, she's she's gone. Um, and then more and more people um, in Tokyo be- begin to vanish. Evacuations of Tokyo begin, and there's a full like invasion of the Kanto region. region. Um, by these ghosts, and um, this is when our two parallel stories merge because yeah. um, Ryosuke meets Michi, and they find Harue in an abandoned factory, and we see her shoot herself very quickly, Ooh. very quickly, um, no hesitation whatsoever. Um, and then we've got um, Ryosuke. And Michi's car, it, it runs out of gas and he has to go to a warehouse to search for fuel. Well, it's back to the same abandoned, it's back to the same factory, isn't it? Yeah, we've gone back to the same location that we... That or they we, never left, I guess, because the car is out of gas when they try to start it up and leave. True. Yes, that's true. Um, so he opens he opens the door again, sealed with red tape. And this motherfucker broke one of the big rules of horror. He's saying, I'll be right back. I know, right? Never travel without a Did, buddy. Did you listen to Matthew Lillard? No, wait, it wasn't Matthew Lillard, Lillard who said it's it. It's the other the, guy that's in Scream, yeah. Yeah. The one that plays the, like, nerdy horror kid. What's his name? I always think it's uh, Seth Green, but it's not Seth Green. But it's no, he's, Green the same, he's a similar type, but I know who you're talking about. Um, so he opens the door with the red tape and, guess what, encounters a ghost who <laughs> insists that it is real and who explains that death was eternal loneliness. And although he tries to really resist this ghost's influence, he loses the will to live and Michi drags, has to drag him to safety. Yeah, he goes back and finds the black spot where um, Haraway's body was. Yes. And we see the gun and everything. And yeah. It's a moment. Mm-hmm. Um, so they, they're then they're driving through like a burning Tokyo. It goes full apocalyptic. It's completely apocalyptic. And we've got like a U.S. Army cargo plane that's like crashing and it just like explodes. It's It, it takes a full apocalyptic turn here um and then they they find like a small motorboat conveniently <laughs> and it's like okay um and they're found and they're brought aboard a ship that's departing tokyo and it's um 
it involves like a small group of survivors and they they tell them that a lot of those the same events are happening everywhere um the ship's going for latin america and they go below deck um and immediately ryotsuke uh, disintegrates into ashes while Michi declares that she has found happiness being alone with her last friend in the world. God, this movie's bleak. It's so it's sad. It's so sad. It's so sad. That's the end of the movie. Um, yeah. That's it's it. It's beautiful, though. Yeah, so I I find this movie interesting because I, I like it a lot. I think it's very good, very well done. I find it interesting that we are covering it right after 2020 kind of yeah. because it's a little it's 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 kind of come back around to being very prescient mm-hmm. because we because we all during like our isolation that happened about a year ago at this point like mm-hmm. we were about a month into it i think um a year ago um we all kind of relied heavily on the internet to connect with people to not feel alone to you know like those of us who are in therapy had to move to a zoom therapy those of us who were going to go see loved ones had to move to like doing a zoom thanksgiving or whatever you know like or doing a zoom easter whatever your um holiday of choice was with your family Mm -hmm. um you know so like i find it interesting that it's come back around to really kind of hitting home in an interesting way because this this movie to me is all about how um how depression is depression and loneliness are connected in a way and also how depression is actually how it how quickly it can kill you like it should be taken seriously and it should be taken um as like mental illnesses are real illnesses and it should be treated you know Mm -hmm. and that's what i love about this movie i love how it treats suicidality like how it 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 really hits home that it is an instant thought and it's it's impulsive most yeah. of the time and um, it's Yaba even says that explicitly yeah and i love uh, there's also another thing i think Yabe says it as well it might have been someone else i'm not sure but i do remember the line was um about the the first character that hangs himself she says well he never said anything so how were we supposed to do anything and i think that that's a really important thing to also hammer home is that your strong friends or your friends that don't necessarily talk about it also check in on them sort mm-hmm. of thing. Or like, you know, it could be happening underneath the surface and you don't know that like that sort of thing. I really like Absolutely. what it's saying yeah. about suicidality and depression and mm-hmm. all of that. So that's why I think this movie is really, it's really cool um, to tie that back into like a horror setting. Absolutely. Give me one second. Yeah. Sorry, I've been waiting. Just wanted yeah, to let no, you get the thought out. Yeah, so before I, thank you. Yeah, appreciate. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, it's um, it. I think it's a really, really beautiful story. Like parts of it are, I think, are very silly. Yeah. Um, and we'll talk about some of those. But I, I like this movie for its core understanding of yeah of suicidality and depression Mm -hmm. um and how loneliness can do that and how self-isolation matters um so one thing that i'm going to try and not do here 
uh, is compare what this movie is about. Like I, I'm, I'm fine with us uh, relating it to our own lives. And I think you were really, I think it was really smart to bring up the whole like stay at home situation, yeah. the quarantines, etc. Yeah. Damn, y'all chill. It's the Lord's day. <laughs> <laughs> Um, but one thing I don't want to do is compare what I'm about to talk about. I don't like when people take something from that's like an interesting part of one culture and say, well, that's just like what happens here. It's like, no, it's a little bit different because like it's a, it's a specialized term. So the term I'm talking about is hikikomori. Yes. Which you may have heard of. Yes. Um, hikikomori is a class of person, essentially, mm-hmm. in Japan. Um, I don't love a lot of the definitions of it, but I will give some here. So um, there's a psychiatrist. So the the Japanese Ministry of Health, Labor, and Welfare says it's a condition in which the affected individuals refuse to leave their parents' house, do not go to work or go to school, and isolate themselves away from society and family in a single room for a period of time exceeding six months. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a prominent psychiatrist, Tamaki Saito, who uh, says it's, quote, a state that has become a problem by the late 20s that involves co- uh, cooping oneself up in one's home and not participating participating in society for six months or longer, but that does not seem to have any other psychological problem as its principal source. Mm-hmm. So um, they're also called modern-day hermits or postmodern hermits. So there's uh, – th- that's just to give you an idea of what it is, right? Yeah. Now, yeah. it is a very specific problem to Japan. Right. Um, we have similar versions in other countries. Yeah. But he could, uh, calling yourself hikikomori and you live in the States or you live in France or you live in um, Mexico, like that's not the same thing. I, I just want to be clear about that, right? Yeah. That it's a, it's a very, very different thing. Mm-hmm. Um, so this movie was really, really prescient, mm-hmm. I think, or like of the, it's very of the time in a yeah. certain way that's really cool. So I was reading a few articles um, to learn up a little bit more about uh, Hikikomori because I've heard about it, but I hadn't like really known much other than like I knew it was like adults who refuse society, right? Yeah. Um, so I found a really great article on uh, Nippon.com, mm-hmm. N-I-P-P-O-N.com from uh, Ishikawa Kiyoshi. Um two seconds I wanted to read the profile okay yeah um yeah so I found this really great article on uh, nippon.com from Ishikawa Kiyoshi Mm -hmm. he is a Japanese journalist um he's done a lot of really great work I've actually seen some of his other work before I was surprised to know that I had um but when I looked him up I was like oh I actually have read some of his articles before um, but he also is someone who is doing, who does a lot of outreach for Hikikimori. Mm-hmm. Um, he does long-term support for them. Nice. So he, I think, has a really great take on this because he does personally do the work, right? He's not just a researcher or just a journalist, both of which are great things. It's very but closely he has, connected. Yeah, hands-on yeah. contact yes. actually does work with these people, right? Yes. Um, so the article is from uh, 2017. I will put it in the footnotes of this ep- uh, of the episode. Mm-hmm. Um, but he 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 focuses on the sort of self imposition of it and the fact that the government doesn't keep track of it because they find it embarrassing. 
So one thing that you may know about Japan, it's been pretty publicized um, by some of the younger members of the um, of the uh, of that. Oh my God, some of the younger people in the country have mm-hmm. really started talking about the work culture. Yeah. So a lot of people have heard about this that um, there's a very high suicide rate in Japan, mm-hmm. and um, there's a lot of loneliness and depression in Japan. Um, and when I've heard people talk about these things or read articles from journalists, they talk so much about how mental health isn't handled well there. Yeah. Because it's these insane work hours, just absolutely uh, uh, like absurd work hours, right? Mm-hmm. Um, all put towards the production of society because of certain cultural norms or like ideals mm-hmm. that exist in Japanese culture. And I can't speak for that or to that, but I can just quote, I can just, you know, refer to people who are from there who I've read and talked about. Mm hmm. And um, um, uh, uh, this article also goes into that. Yeah. Talking about, like, it, these people have just said, you know what? Fuck it. I'm not going to live that life. I refuse. Mm-hmm. Um, it's an extreme version, you know? But it, uh, it it's interesting that, that that's the Wherever case. Wherever you have one extreme, you're going to have the other, though. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, and so the people f- started realizing that this was a problem in the late 90s. Mm-hmm. And so this movie that was filmed in 2000 yeah. was like right on time. <laughs> and it's very much about yeah. that because the internet was starting to spread everywhere. Yeah. Um, he actually goes into talking about like smartphones and how now they can just lay in their bed and be play games or gamble or be on the internet mm-hmm. um, just all day and never, ever have to interact with another face. Yeah. Um, so it, it's, it, I just lost this thought. Sorry. So I think it's really cool that um, Kurosawa was just like looking around and going, this this thing that had just become public knowledge as a like a like a, a epidemic of a sort. I was going to say he kind of makes it into an epidemic. Yeah, and it already and then it's wiping is, out, but it his goes further. Yeah, the young the people extreme. in yeah. Japan. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, I mean, I I definitely I want to be clear that I wasn't trying to connect it to like uh, the oh, no, american no, no, no. Yeah, experience no no no, no, no. i wasn't anything. accusing of that i just was trying to be like be very careful that's all you know yeah. like, I, I i was just trying to get at like the this movie even if you have never been to japan and don't you should you should be interested in other cultures anyway learning about it but yeah. um if if you're not it's still prescient to this time that we're all going through in a certain way because mm-hmm. there there are the themes of isolation and with um, the mental health crisis that the coronavirus has also um, put on, especially in America, where the mental health dealings are already not great. Yeah. Um, it makes yeah. makes this movie hit home in a certain way, even if you don't know that much about Japanese culture in that way. Yeah, that's yeah. all. And I, I, I want to be clear at. that yeah, that I was not trying to. Um, yeah, I was not trying to accuse you of that. I'm sorry if I sounded that way. I did. I definitely did not mean to to say that. I was just saying I I I like the point you made, and I also wanted to be like yeah, we can no, use that. We can use the film to draw those conclusions. I just didn't want to say the exact phenomenon of of hikiku. We can draw from the film totally. I just was trying to make sure that. I, I really it really bothers me. It always feels like a weird kind of cultural appropriation when we should just be investigating our own social norms for what's causing our things, you know? Yeah. Like not using the term to describe ourselves. Yeah, no, I would never I would yeah. never wanna use that term to 
describe ourselves. Um, Absolutely explore and love other cultures. I'm hundred percent. Yes. There. Yeah. But yeah. yeah, no, I would never, I would never want to do that. Um, I just think that it's, it, it's, it's great to be able to relate all of humanity in a way. And I think that this movie deals with something that is universally absolutely um, felt. So mm-hmm. that that's kind of more of what I was getting at. Definitely. Um, with that. Yeah. Um, that's more or less what I wanted to say on it. I could go into, you know, some, just some basic stuff on it, but I'm going to uh, put a little, uh, uh, I'm also going to include a link that I hope will work <laughs> in the footnotes that talks about the history of uh, Hikikomori. Yeah. And like goes into the, like the, it's from um, the, uh, it's, it's a Wayback Machine thing that I pulled. So I, hopefully it will link and still be there. Um, <laughs> Wayback Machine's a little, it's an amazing tool, but it's also difficult. Um, yeah. Yeah. And I think speaking of history, technology in Japan is interesting um, in the, in a, in a similar way that it is uh globally where a lot of our traditions have had to alter themselves or have completely been erased because or they've been enhanced in some in some regards due to technology like technology has corrupted certain aspects of tradition but it's also enhanced some of it you know what I mean like like you have more access to things but you also have this like I don't know, lack of tradition in adding in technology in general. You're getting at something and I'm really interested to see what it's going to be. I mean, that's, that's kind of all that I was having. That's kind of all that I was going to say about it was that, um, I thought you were transitioning. Well, I thought you were just being doing like a really cool no, transition. No, no, I was just gonna, I was gonna talk about like because you were bringing up history, which this this movie is also steeped in in some some history that's actually pretty interesting. Like we've got um, uh, the traditional Japanese ghost, the yorai. Oh yeah. Um, Let's talk about yorai. I love that. We see we see yorai in a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot of movies, um, and. Typically, typically it's like it's 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 a being in like a white cloak with like long hair, mm-hmm. completely genderless. It's it's just a being in a cloak and like a white cloak and long hair. And typically the reason that Yurai show up is because that they don't have any sort of like um, any sort of like cosmic closure. So they're back they're 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 existing on this plane because mm-hmm. they can't transition into whatever the afterlife is. Yeah, I mean it literally means like dim soul, right? Yes. Yes, so they they are like half half a person. Yeah. Um but what's been left behind is like this spirit and that's how it's been physically represented like you've got it in Ringu, you've got mm-hmm. it in the Grudge. Yeah. You've got it in this and Several other movies, several other um, works of art, several like it, it's just. Oh, I mean, like Sadako is, Sadako is uh, from The Ring is quite 100% literally percent the classic. A, a yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, she has the white shroud and the long black hair. Pardon you, Nicole. <laughs> 
Sorry. <laughs> yes. And, and, and yurai are depicted in so many works of art because, because they've been so, mm-hmm. they're so interesting. And, and they're kind of in a way presented in works of art in the same way that witches are presented in works of art, where some of them are kind of crone looking and disgusting. I'm literally looking at two right and now. And then some yeah. of them are like super sexy and kind of like Sailor Marsy looking. Like they're very mm-hmm. like long, that long hair and like, just like beautiful full lips and like you yeah. know what i mean like like they're so they're kind of depicted in the same way that witches are um where they they probably can they're probably viewed as you know in a sexual way like visiting you at night sort of thing right. but then they're also viewed in like a terrifying way of like visiting you at night yeah <laughs> <laughs> you know, so yeah, night is both sexy and scary. Yeah, so and and that that's definitely in this movie that imagery of um, even the shadows and um, the 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 stains on the walls mm-hmm. and and just kind of the idea that that person is still there because they don't have any sort of cosmic closure. Um, and what's also kind of interesting in the history of in Japanese history and suicide is mm-hmm. it was viewed as a noble act. Some part, sometimes. Yeah. Some de- like in, in, in like samurai culture, it's like, yeah, there's a lot of depictions of that in samurai film. Yes, for Sure. Where the, the, the idea is kill yourself before the enemy can kill you. It's dying with dignity. Yeah. Yes. Kill yourself. I, I can't remember the direct quote, but it's something like kill yourself with your own sword sort of, sort of thing. Mm. Um, and it, it's, and, it, and it's 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 in a lot of different um, stories from like the war, like kill yourself before the allies get to you, or yeah. like you know like stuff like die that. Die with honor, or die with honor. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's um, you're referring to seppuku or uh, harikiri. Yes. Or harikari, harikari. I think. Yes, and so my Japanese is not great. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah, we are we are, we are trying here. We're putting in some some effort. I promise. I just try to make an effort whenever I'm speaking languages that I don't typically speak uh, yeah. to, to do my best. Yes, I'm 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 certainly trying my best as well. Um, <laughs> but uh, and apologies for any fuck ups. <laughs> but I I find that I find that pretty interesting in regards to this movie. Um, yeah, I, I do want to talk about um, just with the, with the film shit. Mm-hmm. Um, because oh, actually, actually, before we move on from Yorai, the depictions in here are fantastic. I do actually want to talk about that a little bit more yeah. because I have a note here that I'm supposed to be talking about dancers as physical actors. Oh, for sure, let's do yeah. it. Yeah, let's do it. Um, I it's not long. It's just really cool that um, I was looking at some of the actors who played the ghosts in this. Yeah, and they were they all have a dance background. Yeah, and I think that's amazing. I love I love 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 when directors cast dancers for like non speaking roles. Oh my god, yeah. Um. Alex Garland has started doing this recently mm-hmm. um, since Ex Machina. He's worked with the same woman whose name I should have fucking looked up. God damn it. Give me two seconds. I'm so sorry. You're I thought good. I already pulled it up. We're, we're kind of almost done anyway. We're going to talk more about isolation and alone and mm-hmm. what it does to the mind. Yeah, we've got like another half hour probably that we're going to talk and eventually, but yeah. Yeah. Sonoya Mizuno. So um, Alex Garland has started, has sort of taken a, a, a note from, we've seen this in several Japanese films, right? That like um, Sadako was played by a, a dancer. Yes. Um, 
I think at least it's the little boy in the grudge. Obviously, it was not a dancer. It might be dancing, but not a dancer yet. Or like right. not, not an established dancer because he's like seven. Yeah. Um, but I, we've seen it in, in a lot of Japanese films, uh, yeah. horror, horror films, especially like having dancers play the ghost because they know how to use their bodies in these really interesting ways. And so Alex Garland has that has taken a, an interesting leaf on that, um, employing um, Sonoya Mizuno, who is a dancer. Yeah. Um, she's a ballerina before she started acting. Um, and so she was in Ex Machina, Annihilation, and she's also been in Devs, which I haven't seen. Yeah, I haven't but seen that yet either. Ex Machina, yeah. she is such an incredible physical presence. Yeah. And then in Annihilation, she was, we mentioned on that episode, Natalie Portman's um, double. Yes. In that beautiful final scene where they do the, like, it is a dance. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's gorgeous. I think it's such a, it's such a powerful, it, it, it comes across as so much more powerful than using CGI in something is mm-hmm. using a real human body and I, I think it's also just a very artistic way of expressing that and also yeah. just you know i don't know employing a person <laughs> <laughs> yeah uh, who has trained for many 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 years to be able to do those types of things with their body so yeah i mean and dancers do have a very short they have like an nfl career you know like they, they do a very <laughs> short window um and it's you work so hard to get to, professional and then you're professional for a few years and then you're done because yeah. your body's just torn apart by that point. Yes. Um, yeah. So I, I love that. I just want to shout that out that I love the way that they're depicted in this movie. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah. It's just re- the phys- physical movement in this film is really, really well done. And mm-hmm. like the blocking is gorgeous. Yeah. Um, so which brings me to something I did want to talk about, which is how suicide is depicted in this movie. Mm-hmm. I love it. Uh, we already said that, but I fucking love it. I think this is probably the best depiction I've seen of suicidality in any yeah. film ever. Yeah. Ever. Period. The best best version of depression I've ever seen was You're the Worst, season two. Mm-hmm. It's the best version. This is the best um, representation of depression I've ever seen. Mm-hmm. This is the best representation of suicidality I've ever seen across the board. Yeah. It kind of, it kind of hits it on the head. Yeah. Because um, we see it a lot. Um, and I would venture to say that the sort of subtext is that every single person um even though they just become a black mark Mm -hmm. um is committing suicide we see two yeah suicides in this yeah um it would be overkill quite literally to see all of them three okay yeah we see three it would be overkill to see all of them though yeah it would, but I, I like Poor the choice way... of words on my part, but sorry. <laughs> but I like the I like I've got a little theory about this movie. We were kind of talking about it while we were watching it last night, but I want to do it on mic so other people can talk about it. Um, so we of the f- of the people we watch die that are our main characters. It's not a background character. Um, so that's Harue and um, Taguchi. We mm-hmm. both see them die, mm-hmm. or see them both die. I think everybody else also commit suicide um yabe and um um not michi junko mm-hmm. i think they also because we see junko in front of the open window right yes and then she just leans against the wall and fades to literally fades to black <laughs> yeah so we, we um, you can easily assume she jumped yeah yeah and yabe we see him i think we i think we see a lot of ghosts in this movie that aren't there yet yeah. That, that, that are already dead or have already committed suicide in some way. Yeah. Um, my theory is that Yabe drinks fertilizer or eats fertilizer and kills himself that way. Oh. I, just, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, and that um, Ryosuke jumps off the ship is yeah. my thought. 
Yeah. But we see these moments like they're all presented with an opportunity as an out or we see them have been away for a long time. Yeah. And then they fade to black immediately. Mm-hmm. Like in front of our eyes or cut, cut. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think whenever they've been away for a time, we're watching the ghost interact in the physical world. Yeah. And then keep moving. That's it's, it's, it's It doesn't totally work, but I like it as a theory. Yeah. Yeah. No, I'm, um, I'm, I buy it. Yeah. And we always, before we see someone, um, harm themselves uh yeah we see them in these like depressed fugues yes right yes um or in really really weird mental states right Mm -hmm. yabe doesn't want to talk to anybody when they finally they don't hear from him for like a day or two and then he doesn't want to talk to anybody at work and then he dies yeah um junko is yeah like you said catatonic yeah uh for Mm -hmm. like a few days before she dies Mm mm-hmm Hadaway is in a very distressed, like a manic state almost. Yeah. And then she dies. Yeah. Um, Daguchi, we saw him, yeah, in his fugue. We saw that lady who uh, we watched jump from the water tower, mm-hmm. um, like do the red tape, and then she dies. Yeah. Um, so she like tries to block off, like I, I read that as like blocking off her own demons. Yeah. But that never works. And so then, yeah. Yeah. Oof, sorry. <laughs> yeah, it's no. really heavy to talk about, but I really like it that we do. He does take the time to live with that moment. Yeah, no, it's it's definitely true. I think it's a very. Um, I mean, sometimes the hardest things to to put out into the world are are, are the things that are necessary. I think it's I think it's important that we have this difficult understanding of what exactly suicidality is and um that there is the need to to try to get someone help if they are presenting any sort of like we should always care for those around us Mm -hmm. and encourage the help and just try to do what what you can and but then there's also that um theme that if something does happen you kind of have to release your guilt about it like yeah. the line he never said anything so how could we do anything you yeah. it's it's kind of saying like sometimes things happen and you have to let go of that guilt because if you knew you know that you would have done something everything or you could have, yeah. everything you could have and yeah, I mean, I think it's a really, really, really difficult and in some cultures taboo topic. Um, but I think it's beautifully presented here and I think it's very authentically presented here. And that's where I really appreciate this movie's existence. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, I mean, I think I think it's it's just it's so it's so well done. And the message that it's sending across is, is yeah. so clear. I... I want to just love. I, I I have all the praise for the representation here. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm gonna do a little uh, a little uh, throwback okay. here, <laughs> and say uh, just for contrast for how good it is. Look at suicidality in Ari Aster's film Midsummer. Oh Christ! And <laughs> bringing back the old hits. I had a feeling. Yeah, I yeah. Ha- we talked about how much we hate the representation it's of really suicidality bad. and mental illness in that. It's Garbage. It is. It and is. this is so beautiful and 20 years older than it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's. Oh, Midsummer. 
It's so what a so, pretty train wreck. A, yeah, it's very <laughs> it's unfortunate. A gorgeous train wreck. It's very unfortunate <laughs> in so many ways. Um, it could have been really awesome. It's a really awesome idea. Um, Just completely undermined by the writing. Yep. 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 Um, yep. Acting was fantastic. Anyway. Um, <laughs> yeah. Agreed. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that's what I mean to say. Is that like it's it's that that's the contrast, right? Is that like you can have a really you can have a movie that's about mental illness and suicidality. Yeah. That hits the nail on the fucking head. Yeah. Um, and is not depicted like it is in other films that are made by a certain man whose name I won't drop again because I'm tired of talking about him. But I yes. I, I thought that was fair to bring up there. Yeah, no, it's true. It's a good contrast. Um, People want to hear the hits too. True, true. <laughs> it's No, it's it's a really good contrast. Um, and uh, a very obvious one. Yeah. yeah. And I think what's really interesting, what's really important about this, so... Uh, going back to what you were talking about, the loneliness, the isolation, right? Yeah, um, for sure. Everybody starts isolating themselves, right? Like mm-hmm. even even um, Junko when she's around, like she. Uh... So even though twice Michi tries to help her friends, yeah, three times she tries to help her friends and she can't every single time. Mm-hmm. And sometimes that is the case, like you're talking about. You have to let go of the guilt, whether you helped or didn't, yeah. whether you knew or didn't, you yeah. know. Uh, even no matter how much you try to help, sometimes it just doesn't. It just doesn't. Yeah. yeah. Um, and I say this as somebody who has been suicidal in my life. I've had uh, lots of, you know, I've had a history of uh, a desire for self-harm, et cetera. Yeah. Um, I have been to shrinks to talk about it. I am feeling much better in the last few years. But a lot of that is because I have a community. And every yeah. time that I got really low, every time I got to the moment, mm-hmm. I was interrupted by a friend. Yeah. In some way or another. Or I, I reached out to a friend because I wanted to talk to them one last time. And then I didn't do it yeah. because I talked to that friend. And I was reminded of why I like being alive. <laughs> Even yeah. though my life has been difficult in a lot of ways, it, it, it that that community is so important. And totally. It, it not everybody is fixable in some way, right? It's sad, but it does happen. Yes. Yes. But having that community is very, very important. Like we've been watching um, the show alone, right? Well, yeah. mostly I've been watching it. You're there sometimes. <laughs> yeah, it's like it's a fun watch for me, but I'm not. I'm not as obsessed as you. <laughs> I'm very obsessed. But one of the things that I find so interesting, and this kind of relates back to the hikikomori uh, idea as well, is this idea of isolation within a capitalist system, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um. So the the premise of the show is that ten people go out to a remote location to survive with only. 10 items that they bring, a couple other things that the the producers provide, and yeah. um, whatever they can find, hunt, trap, collect, gather. Yeah, they are off the grid. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, no contact with the outside world except for, like, med checkups every, I think, 10 days, I think. Yeah, because that liability, they don't want anyone to actually die. <laughs> the lawyers are like, no, bro. You have to have a, <laughs> me- a medical personal yep. like, in there. Yeah. So... This most recent season that I was watching, not the most recent season that came out, but I'm watching it in a weird order. Um, so we just finished season two today. Mm-hmm. Um, and there was uh, there are a couple people on there who have who were expressing a, a lot of thoughts about being alone. One dude pretty much just goes straight up fucking crazy. Yeah. He was annoying. I'm glad he lost. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but there was another guy who was doing a pretty good job. Mm-hmm. You know, he seemed like he had his sort of thing going on all right. Yeah. But I, there was something that he said that stuck out to me so much is that he felt like he wasn't producing 
anything. Yeah. That yeah. he wasn't He didn't have like a purpose or something. Yeah, yeah. That his purpose was tied to production and that's such a garbage thing to have. And yeah. we talk about this all the time in like leftist theory that the thing that has to change to kill capitalism finally is that your life is not for production. Yeah. And that's um, something that when I was reading about Hikikomori comes up all the time is that it's this re- refusal yeah. Like it just, that's why it's an extreme thing is it's just a shutdown. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. It just, it's just like, nope, I can't participate. I can't have that be my life and I don't understand how to do that. So I refuse. So I, just, I stop. Yeah. Yeah. yeah mm-hmm. I just stop, which there would be power in if it wasn't a very, very sad thing that happens. Yeah. Um, so that relates into this idea of what I think is an overblown thing, but what um, Kurosawa is saying about technology and how yeah. it isolates us, right? Yeah. And we, we, we talked about this a lot, but yeah, that it's this fear of technology as like an extension of the capitalist system that's already killing us. And isn't that going to make it worse? Yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Already, yeah. Sorry. I just... that. It... No, it's, no, it's definitely interesting. And I like that you're tying it to... Um... Remind me of the name. Starts with an H. The Hikikomori. Hikikomori. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I definitely agree. And I like that you're tying it back to the Hikikomori, right? Hikikomori, yeah. Yeah, I like that you're tying it back to that because I think that that's exactly, you know, kind of what... Mm-hmm. It's it's a refusal of capitalism um, in a way. It's just I can't participate in this. And um, yeah, and, and we've seen on that on that show just exactly what isolation does to you. Um, I mean, these people have kind of just gone off the deep end. They, they start talking to themselves. They, they just cry all the time. It's, I mean, it's really, it's really hard. Shout at God. Shout at God. <laughs> like, yeah. Is anyone listening? It's me, Margaret. Um, <laughs> but it's, yeah, I think it's, I think it's really, it's really difficult. And, and I think that it was a really, strong move to tie it to the internet which kind of leads me to um talking about this movie specifically kind of coming back to it we've got kind of a lot going on here as far as um the internet and then the forbidden room yeah kind of the idea of both of those things i don't even know I don't even know if we need like the forbidden room in this. It kind of feels like an extra, like I get that that's where they see certain things and whatnot right. or where we kind of, they're, they're forced to see things. I wonder if that's about censorship in Japan. Maybe. It's that's, a really that's strong of, censorship culture. Yes, it is. And I'm, that's what I'm, that's what I'm wondering. It just came to my mind. From like, the what, government, I should say. Like, Sorry. Yeah. What exactly, what exactly is the forbidden room about? Like, why is it there? Because we already have this strong idea of, like, the internet and how that's kind of providing all of the loneliness and the sadness and and kind of this cursed um, epidemic feeling. So I'm kind of like, what is the forbidden room? Is that, it could be censorship because forbidden censorship, like, that makes sense to me. It's just a question that popped up. Sorry, y'all. I'm t- I'm, I'm going to be a little quiet for a second because Nicole may be getting my thinking pose. She hit me so hard with that thought, and I am Thinking so excited pose. about it. She did not prep me on this one. I fucking love it. That's so fucking cool. I love the way your brain works. 
I mean, I think it's. I think you might. I think you might have have it right though with the censorship. It makes that makes sense to me. Yeah, because I'm just thinking about and like, the curiosity of yeah. humans that we were talking about earlier. Yeah, it plays into both, right? So like, yeah. curiosity is what makes us great, but also is what kills us, right? Exactly. Um, like I'm tying it back to the, the show alone. Some people get knocked out of the competition because they harm themselves by being curious of what's over there. Yeah. And it's mm-hmm. a survival curiosity. Mm-hmm. Like it's, I have to go find food and there's not food in this spot. So maybe there's food in that spot. I'm curious. Yes. I am curious about what will keep me alive. Yeah. Um, yeah. But it's that double-edged sword sort of idea, right? Mm-hmm. So yeah, I love the idea of the curiosity being a thing. I like, I, and I, I have read up a good bit on, um, I was, I got really curious as to why, and I'm sorry for any of my family listens here. Um, so I was really interested in why Japanese porn is all censored. Mm-hmm. And so I ended up reading up a, a lot. And I'm, I'm always interested in censorship. Like I've read about censorship in a lot of countries, yeah. partially because of the th- a lot of the things that I find fascinating and that I like thinking about do get censored. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm just a rebel that way. <laughs> oh, yeah. I'm not like the other girls. Oh, God. So what I, yeah, I, I, I do remember reading a lot about that. And so I know the internet, I think from the jump, was pretty heavily censored in Japan. Yeah. Um. So it could be like, okay, so we go to a room on the internet, right? We call it that, like chat rooms or yeah. or forums or like we go to a site, but it's like you could consider it a room and then it's literally rooms that you're watching, right? Correct, um, yeah. When it, the the storyline, um, the B storyline with uh, Ryosuke and Harue. Yeah. Um, there's such a thing about rooms and windows. Mm-hmm. Um, where like she has like eight monitors in yeah. her in her apartment, and um, every time they go to her computer lab, there's just so many different things, and we didn't even touch on the the experiment really. Yeah. Um, that's trying to model human life. It's really cool. Um, that was kind of like a, a that didn't really need to be there. It was just sort of like a weird plot device. Yeah. That could have been its own film, mm-hmm. but it it was neat as an idea. It just doesn't wasn't like fully executed, I guess. Right. Um. But yeah, so I'm, I, there's a lot of play here, right? So like if there's rooms on the internet and you say you can't go into these. Yeah. And then people keep going in. It's like find ways, like VPNs, right? Is how we get totally. around certain like yes. paywalls and things like that. Yeah. Oh, that's how I could have gotten that article. Damn it. Yeah. <laughs> I have a VPN, but I had it turned off and I was trying to get around a paywall earlier. Damn it. I could have gotten in that way. Um, anyway, mm-hmm. so all of that sort of stuff, right? Um like like torrenting and down illegal downloading and shit like that yeah yeah which i guess i technically don't support but i'm also kind of pro i don't know how i feel about it right um but yeah that's how we would get away with it you know is that we would use a vpn to torrent things and then we'd be okay (laughs) fbi wouldn't come knocking down but yeah it's i the the forbidden room thing is is very interesting and i think you're right that it doesn't totally relate but it is interesting like you don't need it but i'm kind of glad it's there yeah I think it's both curiosity and censorship because those are tied together, right? It's it's yeah. like we, especially when you're growing up. So there's this idea how we know that the um, in European culture, kids drink wine with dinner mm-hmm. and they have a significantly like lower rate of of like DUIs, of of underage alcoholism, underage drinking in general. I mean, underage drinking. I guess their their drinking age is like what eighteen or something. Younger, I think younger, it's sixteen. In a lot 16. Of countries, yeah. Um. So it's kind of hard to have that, but like, but yeah. There's there's way there are way lower statistics of 
alcoholism in Europe. And um, you've seen that like in um, Amsterdam, in Netherlands in general, with yeah. decriminalization of yeah. most uh, drugs. And in America, it's pretty terrible. Yeah. Like we have a we have high rates of underage um, drinking to the point of like you know DUIs and all of this and and it comes from kind of the censorship of alcohol mm-hmm. and it comes with this like taboo idea of drinking when you're under 21 or you know the idea of white america was founded by puritans so yeah i don't know why we're surprised <laughs> yeah i know i know and it's you know it's like don't get it's i i'm i'm really happy when i see like someone just allow their kid to try a sip of their wine at dinner mm-hmm. I think it's a really it's 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 a great thing to kind of implement that like yeah this is nothing special like yeah. you can enjoy it when you get when you get a little bit older and you're probably going to hate it because the taste of it's pretty disgusting when you're young yeah. right like yeah, you don't have that palate you, yeah. it's not acquired yet but I think it's just really a good thing to normalize that totally. it exists and that it's a fun thing to partake in um, as long as you do it responsibly. Like like all of those things that you, instead of, you know, fire and brimstone, don't do this. It's you'll yeah, go to no, hell. I was, like, I was raised in a very alcohol, like it, alcohol was not treated as like Like alcohol taboo. neutral, I guess we could yeah, say. Yeah, and I definitely was drinking just a with thing. like my family when I was like 13, 14 years old. Yeah. Um, and I think I have a pretty healthy relationship with it's a drug, but I have a pretty healthy relationship with it. Yeah. And I mean, it's always it's it's dependent on the person and also, you know, um, addiction certainly um, runs in families and, yeah. and everything like that. So you always have to just be conscious of your own history and everything. Yeah. But what I'm getting at is that I think that the minute that you censor something, it's going to trigger this response of. Like ooh, now I want to know. Like yeah, curiosity, the, of the it, yeah. yeah. Why why is this behind a firewall? Yeah, you know, yeah. like why is this or a paywall? Why mm-hmm. is this yeah. behind? Um, Sorry. Why is this door taped shut with red tape and says don't go in here? Yeah, everyone's always that's that's how every horror film starts too. Is people going somewhere where they've been told that they shouldn't or couldn't or you know. So the basement I, under the rug in uh, Evil Dead. Yeah, I think it has to, or you know, the the idiot teenager that always like you know, oh, like don't open the book, don't open the book, and they open the book. Mm-hmm. Um, it's you know, in Hocus Pocus, don't light the candle. You're a virgin. He lights the candle. He's a virgin, and then that's how the whole movie starts. Breath. Um. So. Yeah, I definitely think that it's both. Um, mm-hmm. I, I, and I think it ties in with the internet. But if you weren't thinking about it critically, I think you could probably be like, "What? What? Why do we have the forbidden room?" But I think that's exactly yeah. what it is um, representing: is this whole human, natural human curiosity. And the second that you say no, you can't experience this, you're like, "Well, why? You're stripping away like my experience. It, like, what if I want to? I should be able to make that." choice for myself yeah so this is whole like control thing death death, um, death, death, death. yeah so i think i think that's probably right yeah yeah my my kind of final thought on it is that like my just to put the like to some uh bup, 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 to summarize like my final thought is that it probably is representative of like websites yeah and that that's the because that's the moment of isolation right no one ever goes in together until michi tries to rescue um junko yeah that's right. Um, that's the only time we see two people in the room. Yeah. And she's the one who lasts the longest other than uh, Ryosuke. 
Yeah. Um, yeah. But yeah, I think that that's it's like the it's it's representative of the internet and the isolation that comes from it. Um, and it yeah. is a fear of tech that I find a little ludicrous. Um, mm-hmm. But I understand it's it's not ridiculous to have the fear. I just think we take fear of tech too far. Yeah. Um, consistently, you know. Yeah. Um, yeah. I. I it, it's. I think about this before, but there's like studies that uh, generally women. Um, to, I'm sorry, I'm going to deal in a binary here because that's the only information I have on this study. Mm-hmm. Um, I, they did not consider more than two genders. Yeah. Um, but women tend to not fear a robot overthrowing or like robots overthrowing the world and ruling the world because they can imagine a kinder, gentler <laughs> AI. Yeah. That is not competitive, but, ra- but rather collaborative or not dominating or domineering. Yeah. And men are generally very afraid uh, when asked about the question, right? Are you afraid of a uh, AI uprising or something like that? Or like robot domination? Women generally say no and men almost across the board say yes. Yeah. And I mean, and that that certainly makes sense after talking to the number of problematic men that I've talked to. It's like... <laughs> it's the most of them. Well, yeah. I mean, it's 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 they're worried about anybody taking them off of their pedestal. You know, mm-hmm. it's, it's... I don't want to harp on this too much because you guys already know where I stand on this, but it's... It's that whole um, even even you know uh, women just trying to get paid the same, yeah, not more, just the same, and they're threatened by that, and it's bullshit. Yeah, you're uh, you're Jordan's Peterson, you're Ben's Shapiro. So it's kind of the same. Jones. It, it's kind of the same thing. You're it, they're they're worried about someone taking their jobs and taking and and really just becoming the higher um, part of society. Yeah. That's really it. it. It it doesn't even it shows you that it doesn't even really matter who or what it is, whether it's a robot or a woman. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> like you know, it's it's just kind of completely ridiculous. Yeah, that's just a side point that I thought was interesting. Yeah. Um, quick question. Yeah. Which story is sadder slash scarier? I wrote that down during because I'm not sure which. I don't know. Um, because, I mean, I think they kind of tie for different reasons. Because that's kind of where I'm at too. I just was interested. I just I had that. Well, thought. the second one, you get kind of that, or the the B story, you kind of you get these like implied romantic mm-hmm. notes in it, and that's already kind of sad because of the movie's message about isolation yeah. and what's the opposite of isolation mostly is like having a partner, having a significant other. Um, you're, yeah, he tells her that you're they can bound. be together forever yeah. and you're, that's what triggers her off, yeah. Yeah, so I think that that is inherently sad based on what the movie is getting at in the first place. But then you kind of also have that companionship in the A story mm-hmm. as well. It's just a different kind of companionship. Um, so I think they're both they're both equally sad and important in this in this film because you're exploring different types of relationships yeah. and how that how just naturally in life we're going to be dealing with other people's emotions and other people's shit. Mm -hmm. And like on a day-to-day basis of, especially in New York, strangers, (laughs) you're dealing with everyone's shit all the time. Um, And so, yeah, I mean, I think they're both, I think they're both equally sad because they're kind of getting at the same idea and in the context of this 
film is devastating. Yeah, it's a, it's a definitely a success of the film. I yeah. love that it's um, it. I, I like that you pointed that out. That it is two different versions of how we can either be together or be alone. Yeah. Right. So mm-hmm. we have this tight knit friend group in the in the A story, and then a romance story in the in the B story. Yeah. And I love that. I think it is really terrifying. Like, um, I think it's I think it's really clever. I think that he, uh, Chris Hours. As I've said a thousand times this episode, really fucking brilliant, and I can't wait to watch more from him. He's mm-hmm. definitely going to be someone that I'm going to spend more time with. I know I've seen one of his other movies, and I can't remember which one it was, but I know I've seen one before. Yeah. Um, but I, I think he's someone I'm going to be um, yeah, this, doing a lot more with. This movie has a lot of layers, mm-hmm. and I, I really like that. I really enjoy that about films. Um, yeah. It's about 15 minutes too long, but... Yeah, yeah. A, a lot of it could be cut, but I, I like that it has layers like that, like where mm-hmm. he's also exploring a lot of um, different relationships and how that translates um, to not feeling isolated or alone or, you know, it's... Yeah, it's it's really cool. This movie, this movie overall is is a wonderful watch. I think it definitely deserves a star place in in Japanese horror. I think it's just really really well made in so many different ways. Yeah, it's beautiful and it's sad. Um, that's my favorite thing. <laughs> you know, yeah, you know me. It's beautifully uh, I've been doing this sad. For over a year now, like yeah, it's beautiful sad. Yeah, and I mean it is it is scary. It's it's it is kind of like that. Um, psychological horror of humanity sort of thing it's yeah. not you know it's not like monster scary by any means but it's it's that psychological uh horror where you start to kind of think about your own place in the world and your own life and yeah, how it really you, makes you reflect yeah so so that's kind of where the horror comes in here um and it's and then there's the supernatural it's yeah it's a nice like the yurai yeah, and yeah. everything it's it's wonderful it's great would recommend uh you can find it on we'll Amazon. watch again yeah we'll watch again yeah Absolutely. Uh, did you have any other final thoughts? No, I'm just glad to be doing a movie that doesn't involve sexual assault for once. Correct. Oh, I was God. getting a little a little <laughs> exhausted. Yeah, we were doing our production meeting. Putting our listeners through that, too. Yeah. And um, we're just like, I'm so tired of talking about this. I'm sure people are tired of listening to it. So, yeah, you will not be hearing anything about that this month. Yeah. That is, if we have a theme, it's no essay. Yeah. Yeah. We're, we're, we're done <laughs> we're, with that trigger warning for a second. Yeah. There won't be any, any of that for a while. Yeah. Horror, horror is a hard genre to do, but yeah, we're, we're tired and just to pull the curtain back. Yeah. We're not going to be doing any of those movies for a while. So if there's one that you love and you want to hear, let us know, but it, it's going to be in the future. Yeah. It's <laughs> going to be backseated for a while. Cause it does take a toll on you to talk about it that much. Yeah. So you guys know where to find us. We're on Instagram at Horror Babes Podcast. We're on Twitter at Horror Babes Pod. And you can always find us at www.horrorbabespod.com. Until next time, stay safe out there, babes. We love you. Bye, babes.